Good morning, City Life. Good morning, City Lifers and visitors. So grateful to be here again. Welcome to this week's service. Welcome to our online crew here. Uh, anyone who is stopping by, grateful. Really, really grateful to have this avenue to preach the gospel again and to like preserve this space for our church. And so really quickly, my name is Pedro Reese. I'm the lead pastor here at City Life. And um, last, the recording of last week's video, I wasn't too emotional, though I, I was emotional. I was much more emotional in, in person last week. But just uh, thank you all for praying for my dad. Uh, just a quick update. He's still in the hospital, but that's exactly where we want him to be. He had a couple of more incidences with his heart this week, but, um, but uh, the doctors are convinced that they understand what's happening and have the plan for him to go forward. So thank you for praying for those of you who reached out. It's very mean meaningful to me. Uh, it's part of the job, a part of the calling that we have to live together that I absolutely love. And so thank you for the prayers and support for my dad and my family. I'm at my parents' house now because I just had to come and help and be present this week. And so I'm, I'm very grateful for all of you. And so today, let's start off with this story. We're starting off with the story from my childhood. Uh, and I asked my mom and I asked my brother for more details because I'm not always the best at remembering these. And I've shared this story once before with City Life. But the story goes like this. Me and my family went to a mall, to a store, to a Sears when we were little. I was six, my brother was four. My sister, if I was six, she would have been eight. Uh, but we went to the store, we parked in their parking garage, and then me and my brother, whenever we were together, we were running, we were red, we were sweaty, and we brought... <laughs> Now as a parent, I'm like, oh gosh, my parents must have been mortified, but we got to the store, we parked our car, and we, me and my brother ran out of the car. I'm sure they were screaming at us to stop, but we were not listening, and we ran to the elevators. And when we got to the elevators, it was one of those rooms, um, the elevator doors opened, and people came out. And I knew that I could, we could go in there and push a button to keep the doors open. So I was like, okay, let's hold this door for, for our family. And, but you know, just being little boys, we were just so all over the place. And we walked into the elevator, me and my brother, and I was looking for the button and I was starting to get nervous and I was starting to get scared and I couldn't find it. You like, just know when you get nervous and it's just making everything worse. And so like I was getting, looking for it frantically and like tension was building and building and I couldn't find it and the doors start to close and I, I knew that you could stand in front of the doors and they would open for you but I just like, I, got, I continued to be scared and I didn't do that and eventually the doors closed and me and my brother were stuck in this elevator. I asked my mom, like, hey mom, from your perspective, what was happening? And she's like, they ran to the elevator. My dad was running around the parking lot looking for stairs. My mom was like shouting at the elevator, stay in, stay in. But we like, all I remember was just crying and being so afraid that we were lost. And like, ugh, I don't even remember how much time this whole thing felt like forever. In my memory, it took couple hours I'm sure it was not very long at all but like I was just so terrified 
And I asked my brother this week what he remembered, and it like broke my heart. It was so sweet. He said, all I remember was holding your hand throughout the whole thing. And I was oh, like, okay, that kind of breaks my heart too. That's so nice. That's like really beautiful to me. But like I, all I remember was being scared. I was like, we were lost. And now eventually like uh, the elevators opened in one of the floors of the store. And just really quick for our younger people, Sears was the store is like one of the oldest stores in America. And if for our even younger people, a store was a place that we used to go to before the internet, uh, where you could at the time pay with money or with a check. Um, just being ridiculous. But uh, the story ended with me, my brother and I, we went, we like, somebody brought us to a cashier and we were waiting there and they, they were calling my parents in the loudspeakers. Uh, eventually they came and they found us and all five of us were just hugging so much so that one of the security guards who was there like looking after us he my mom said that when he saw us hugging all five of us hugging like that he started to cry he was like oh this is like beautiful uh, but like, I just want to start off talking about being lost because that is what we're talking about this morning being lost from God, being separated from Him, and what that feels like. We are in our Open Table Sermon Series where we're still looking at the Gospel of Luke and looking at like how like this God that we have, that we serve, who made us, lost us. And he used the table along with other things to like bring us back to him. To like teach us and massage it into our hearts what his kingdom was all about. Generosity and love, mercy and grace. And how like Jesus brought the kingdom. He manifested it in his body and in the room and at the t every table that he reclined at. Like he manifested the kingdom. He brought it in slowly one table at a time. It's like at one table at a time, one bite at a time, like Jesus demonstrated God's love and pursuit for all of the ones who are lost. And so in this series, we're looking at the Gospel of Luke, because the Gospel of Luke is the one gospel that is like so concerned with telling the whole world, like there's this God and he loves you and he came and like, let's look at the times that he went to the table to show us this to teach us this. He came for everyone who was lost and forgotten for the marginalized. And like today we're talking about he came for the lost ones. Last week we talked about in uh, Luke 14, of like how God wants to fill his house. He's this host who wants his house to be so full. And we continue that like general theme today talking about how he came to search for the lost ones. And so right now, I want to pray. I want to pray for the Spirit to be with us, even like to be with us in the reading of His Word, because the reading of His Word alone can save and change us. His, His like, Word is alive and active and sharper than any two-eyed sword, Scripture says. And so like even in the reading of His Word, we're going to be in Luke chapter 19 today, but like let me pray and ask for Him to be with the recording now, with your listening, and then like, more importantly with what we do with this. And how we let his words change us. And so let me pray. Pray with me. Oh, Jesus, I thank you for this day. And I just thank you for your heart for us that is in every page of this book. 
Thank you for telling us the story of what you did. And like, thank you today, Lord, for going after the smallest of us who you knew was lost. Like, oh Lord, thank you for how meaningful you are and how you love us perfectly. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask for your presence now, for your presence when we hear this, for your presence when we leave this meeting, Lord, I just like do a mighty deep work in our hearts to show us more of what your kingdom is like so that we live like you. So I pray over this. I pray that you be with us. Well, Holy Spirit, you're welcome to do what only you can do. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. So today we are going to be, like I said, in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10, one of the most famous Sunday school stories in all of Scripture, Jesus and little, little Zacchaeus. And so uh, read with me Luke 19, verses 1 to 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be, with the, to be get the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today, Salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Let's catch up a little bit with what we've missed in Luke. To catch up with what we've missed, last week we were in Luke chapter 14, and we looked at the story of like a host. Jesus told this parable of a host who was not okay with his house not being full, like he needed his house to be full. And then right after that, right after that story starts Luke 15. Luke 15, in my opinion, is like one of the most beautiful in all of Scripture. Like read Luke 15. When your heart is heavy and downcast, like when you have doubt in your life, turn to Luke 15. Because Luke 15 is this incredible chapter and the whole chapter tells us of story like three stories three parables that jesus told us of this god who searches after lost things the whole point of luke 15 is telling us about god's heart like to find what he lost what is most precious to him he tells three stories the first one is the parable of a lost sheep like that Jesus, that God is the shepherd who leaves, he's this good shepherd who leaves the 99 for the one. He's like, yeah, like, I'll leave these here safe. I know where they're at, but there's one who's missing. I'm not okay with losing one. Like, this, the good shepherd leaves 99 to find the one that's missing. He's like, not okay with casualties. And then right after that, we get the story of a loss, a parable of the lost coin. 
And in this story, a woman has 10 coins, but she realizes that an 11th one is missing. And she lights a lamp to find the one. She's like, oh, this coin is so precious to me. It's so important that I'm going to use some other resource. I'm going to light my candle in the dark to look for it. And I was like, oh, like that's God's heart for us, that he goes in the dark and he lights a candle. He lights the lamp, which is Jesus, like a lot of different levels there. But he's like, this God lights the lamp so that, we can, so that he can find us. And he makes a way for us to find him. And then the last one was like maybe even like one of the few more Sunday school famous stories in our story today, but the prodigal son story. Where like this son, there's like, I think that this is a story that's actually preached pretty poorly. But uh, in this story, like the son asked for an inheritance that he would not have received in the first place. He wishes his dad dead. He leaves with all the money. He lives this horrible life and he gets to nothing and he doesn't even like really repent, but he just hates the situation that he's in. He goes back and like immediately without any questions or a conversation, the dad literally saves his life. And not only just that, like he restores his status as a son. Like this whole chapter is like, oh, this God is too good. He's too crazy good for us. But he like comes to seek everything that he lost. He's like, what's most precious to him? And then right after this, like Jesus foretells his death one more time in chapter 18. And then from here on out, from this point of the gospel to the end, he's like faces the cross and everything he does has the cross in its sight. But even in this, like he's still gracious and good and interrupted. Like he is so amazing, but he's headed towards the cross in all that he does. I would be a nervous, like if I was ever brave enough to know I'm walking towards my death, ugh, like. I would be a stress ball, but Jesus here is like, knows that, but it just loves everything in his path. And then like a really quick, like this doesn't even really fit with today, but I just have to, I have to mention it really quick. Jesus tells this story about these two men who pray. One is a Pharisee and he like does this horrible look at me. Uh, our old pastor used to call it a, uh, a bestimony where it was like, oh, I'm the best. Uh, and then like his prayer is just horrible and then this tax collector comes in and he prays and he like can't even look up to he like to God it says this in chapter 18 he says but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift his eyes to heaven but beat his breast saying God be merciful to me a sinner it's like oh like that's the prayer that God loves and then we get launched into our story today to talk about the smallest man in Jericho. Let's talk about small, lonely Zacchaeus. Verses 1 to 4 set the story. Tells us everything we need to know about who's really all the players, who's involved. And we like see Jesus walking towards the cross like we just said. He already foretold his death. Uh, he's foretold his death, foreseen his death shared it one more time and then like he's in the very southern tip of the country and he's walking through jericho walking north headed towards jerusalem with the cross in his sights and then like we're introduced to a man called zacchaeus all week i put him in my notes as z so if you hear me say z it's just like me talking about zacchaeus because that's what i got used to this week and zacchaeus we learn a few things about this man first is that he, number one he's a man which is important. And then we learn that he is a chief, he's described as a chief tax collector. 
which is interesting because this term here is this is only used to this in all of the New Testament this exact term is only used here and then we're also told that he is immensely rich but then the last and most important thing that we're taught about him is that he is small of stature of small stature and let me just say this because this changes everything about how we see this story Zacchaeus was probably short like Jesus was a great storyteller and so he was probably playing off the fact that Zacchaeus was short but his height is the last thing of significance being described here like even now in my head I, I have the Sunday school kids songs in my head talking about little Zacchaeus right but like his height was the last thing of importance and what was being said here Z wasn't small because of his height. He was small because he had no stature. He was small because he was a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector. And he was a sinner. And everyone knew this. His height is not important to like understanding that Zacchaeus was the smallest man in all of Jerusalem. And Zacchaeus was uh, the smallest man in Jerusalem, in Jericho, because he had small stature, meaning he had no reputation. I mean, he had no social standing. He had no friendships, unless it was with other tax collectors. He had no support in life. You know, verse 3 gives us like an interesting clue into why this is so important. Because any man, it says that he could not see about, uh, like around the crowd, right? But any man in, Jer in Israel would have been made room for. Like any man could say move and like every children, women, like people who aren't as rich as him, everyone would move for him, but they would not move for Zacchaeus because he was small. No respect, no love. No one cared for him. He was hated. It's like, oh, that's like really important to the reading of this story. Zacchaeus was the smallest man in Jericho, and he might have been very short, too. Z had no standing because he was a chief of sinners. And so, like, the, the restoration that Zacchaeus gets in the story is like has nothing to do with his height, but everything about his standing. But before, like, we really continue, let me ask a couple of questions here. Zacchaeus was the shortest man in all of Jericho, but I, I'm like, I'm wondering if you feel really small in life. Like, I'm wondering about the areas, the times, like, let's start with society. Like, do you feel unsupported because of where you come from? The color of your skin, your gender, your sexual orientation, like, your identity. Do you feel really small because of your educational level or your financial uh, income like do you feel really small in this world like Zacchaeus did Zacchaeus was rich but he was very small do you feel small and insignificant I'm also like wondering in your standing with the Lord believer or not like if you're a Christian or if you're not a Christian like do you just look at yourself and say oh, I'm too small for God to notice it's like, oh, people tell me all the time that God cares, but if you really knew what I did or who I am or the thoughts in my head, what I've been about in the past, like, that, like, I am uniquely disqualified. I am uniquely small. Like, yeah, sure, the story might be good for the 99%, but it's not good for me because I'm just, like, too broken and too small. Like, is that how you feel? Like, if people really knew me, they would, like, give up on me. 
if like God really knew who I was, there's no hope for me. And let me just say a couple of things to that before we move on. First, the whole point of the gospel is that there's no one too small for the gospel, for Jesus' love, for like Jesus' presence at the table. No one. When you think that like it's the enemy or your wounded heart or someone else's voice in your head like that is not does not belong to the Lord. The whole story of this gospel is that if Jesus can get Zacchaeus, he can get you. There's no one smaller than Zacchaeus in all of Jericho. No one is insignificant. In fact, you know what? The table that Jesus shares is only, only the small are found there. Only the poor are found there. Only the broken, only the lame, only the blind are at this table. And you know, only the lost ones find this table because people who think that they know where they're at aren't looking. It's only those of us who like know we're lost and search for it. And so continue to search. And then from there, let's talk about this unexpected invite. Verses 5 to 6 really set up this portion of the story. And I know we're like, I have to speed up a little bit because I know I'm already going over. But in, in verses 5 to 6, we like get more of a glimpse into Zacchaeus' heart and his motivation and why this story is remembered. Like Luke is the only gospel that has Zacchaeus' story. It's like, why? 5 and 6 show us like the deeper things happening in Zacchaeus. Verse 4 gives us two things that Zacchaeus did because he was desperate to see Jesus. He was desperate, and we see that in verse 4. He did two things that no self-respecting mature man in Israel would ever do in public. It says here that like, he needs to see Jesus, but they're not moving for him because no one cares about him. And he runs along and he climbs a tree. Like, oh, like this, that's like mean, kind of meaningless to us, but to an ain't like, oof. If we were there and we saw this little Zacchaeus running and climbing a tree, man, like he's even worse than we expected him to be. In the day, in Jesus's day, in Jesus' culture, like no man ran. If you ran, that was like embarrassing. It's because you didn't have your house in order, or you like can't plan, or you're not smart. Only fools would run. And Zacchaeus like ran. And then he climbs a tree, which only kids do, like, and that's like, a lot of it is because, remember, they didn't wear pants, they had open clothes at the bottom, and like, somebody could see his man bits, and like, that's extremely shameful, and so no grown-up ever climbed trees, that was shameful, but Jesus, I mean, Zacchaeus, like, he was desperate. All he cared about is what we're told here, he like, just needed to see Jesus. He needed to see who he was. And like, like the lady with the issue of the bleeding, like this is the same type of story for me in my head. Like they were just desperate to see Jesus. And then in verse 5, like oh, there's this unexpected invite. In the version, in the translation we read today, it said, Zacchaeus, hurry, down, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. But the NLT says this, it says, When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. He called him by name. Jesus knew who he was, like, miraculously. And he said, come, quick, calm down. I must be a guest in your house today. It's like, oh, I can like, only imagine what this small, small man, like, oh, what that must have meant to him. Because, like, think about Zacchaeus, this, like, man 
who had no respect, no love, no relationship, like no acceptance, no belonging. He was just starved for connection. And he like he knew not to hope for anything from Jesus. He just wanted to see him. And then Jesus miraculously stands at, his, at the tree that he's in. He looks up and he knows his name and he calls him by name and says, I am coming to your house. Come down here right now. Think about how wonderful that is. And before I move on, let me just say, like, whenever Jesus, like, shows up and he's, like, unexpectedly invites himself over, there's always joy. There's always beauty. Like, there's always, like, oh, this is incredibly amazing. Some people, like, some people are out here and we're living with them and they're in our lives and we don't know this, but, like, they are so starving for love and acceptance that if you just invite yourself or make time or tell them about Jesus, like there are some, maybe not as many as we would like, who would say yes on the spot because they're desperately in search for meaning, like for Jesus. And so let's like be bold and brave enough to like open the door and make that invitation. Some people just need like an inch of connection to make something meaningful happen in their heart. Uh, like, I wish I could stay there a lot longer, but like, let's just talk. Our last point for the, for the day is the quickest repentance. Verses 7 to 10 finish this story and like, uh, show us like the depth and the meaning of what took place here, of what is possible with the people that we know, like even in your own life, in your own heart. When Jesus become, like invites himself over, in verse 7, we see that the people grumble around, like which they always do around Jesus when he does things, kingdom things that are unexpected, because the kingdom is always different than what we expect it to be. It's always better than what we have in our hearts. And they grumble, and of course they do. They're like, oh, there's Jesus again now with, the, like, with this sinner. Who, why would he ever be with him? Because they, they can't learn their lesson about who Jesus associates with and that he's here for the sinners and not... For people who are okay, there's no one who is okay here, but like, okay, it's a problem. And then Jesus calls him down and he gets down. And D.L. Moody, like, he writes this, and I, I really like it. Uh, it's, he says, Zacchaeus was converted from, from the limb to the ground. And I was like, one of the things that I wanted to talk about today was like, the, like how quick this response was. It's like, ugh, like... Zacchaeus was starving, and we see, also see that in there, how quick his response was to the gospel, to like Jesus' presence. I don't know, I can't stand here and tell you like that I have this whole story figured out, the timeline. Like, I don't know if then Zacchaeus' response happens on the spot in front of everyone, or if it happens at his house. Like, the story is quick. Like, ugh, like this is the fastest repentance. Maybe only Nineveh and Jonah's story like repented quicker. I don't know, but like he jumps down and he's just like, we all of a sudden just get poured into, we don't even like get a glimpse into the conversation into what Jesus might have said to him. Like we don't even know the setting right now. It's just like all of a sudden Zacchaeus gets down and then this like amazing change starts to happen. And Zacchaeus says this, like his response to Jesus is like, okay, you know what? From here on out, half of what I have, I'm giving it away. And this guy was very rich. It's like half of what I have, is gone, is no longer mine, I'm going to give it to the poor. And then he said, for everyone that I defrauded, I'm going to give them back four times what I, what I took from them. 
which was like, I remember we talk a lot about the Pharisee and their laws. That was like way more generous than even their laws, right? Even their sense of holiness. But it's like the whole point here is like that, um, like whenever like Jesus comes, like a real repentance happens. Repentance isn't like a repentance that's not based on any change in your life will last about 10 minutes. But it's like, no, Zacchaeus is like, no, I am changing the way I'm living my life. And like here, this money represents everything that I do wrong. I'm giving it away. I don't want to benefit it from anymore. And though like the heart of today's message isn't about this repentance, like we have to talk about this repentance. If repentance doesn't change you and the way you live your life, you're only repenting to like this glorified version of what you think you should be. Like finding Jesus actually changes what you do. It like actually costs you a lot. But we're saving that for a sermon soon to come. Like today, like I want the big where we land to be in Jesus' response to Zacchaeus. In verses 9 and 10, like oh, this is what Jesus says in response to what Zacchaeus gives up. Verse 9, he says, Today, salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. You, we can blink and miss this. Like Jesus gives him here the one thing that Zacchaeus wanted more than anything, connection. He says here, like, he is a son of Abraham. When you became a tax collector, you turned your back on Israel. You turned your back on your people. You turned your back on belonging to Abraham. At least that's how everyone treated you. And Jesus is like, you know what, Zacchaeus, like, you're small in stature. You belong. You belong to me. You're in this family. Like, you, you belong. You're, like, you have acceptance, security, safety. You belong to me. Imagine what that must have felt or meant to Zacchaeus. He had everything he could probably ever want and buy, but he could never have what he really wanted to belong. And then in, in verse 10, he says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Like a microcosm of Jesus' whole being. Like God wasn't okay with just like even calling or being out there somewhere for us to find. But like he came down here to seek. Just like in chapter 15, like he's the one who seeks. He seeks all the time and trying to bring back what's most precious to him. And so let's conclude this a little bit. For our eagle-eyed viewers out there, for eagle eye uh, every week you come here, you might notice that like we haven't talked about the table once. And like, we don't even know if this repentance comes at the table at Zacchaeus' house. Uh, I'm not sure. I can't tell you that answer. But the reason why this fits into the sermon series is because like Jesus invited himself over to be a guest at his table. And even the mention of his table was enough to change Zacchaeus' life forever. Like Jesus says, I, like, let me go have a meal at your house. And even just that, like, ugh, changes all of his eternity. And so I want to read to us from Ezekiel another promise from the Lord to be the one who seeks us, like the only one who can perfectly find us. Ezekiel 34, like today's story comes as a response to Ezekiel 34, what God did centuries before. Ezekiel 34, verses 4 to 6, and then verse 11. It says this, Jesus here is talking about the leaders of Israel at the time. He says, You have not taken care of the weak. 
You have not tended the sick or bound up the injured. You have not gone looking for those who have wandered away and are lost. Instead, you have ruled them with harshness and cruelty. So my sheep have been scattered without a shepherd, and they are easy prey for any wild animal. For they, no, they have wandered through all the mountains and all the hills across the face of the earth, yet no one has gone to search for them. For this is what the Sovereign Lord says. This is verse 11. For this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I myself will search and find my sheep. And so church, like Zacchaeus' story is the fulfillment of that promise. That we have this God who came and searched for us. And so yeah, there's like passages about us looking and searching and seeking, but the Lord's table is something that like finds us. That Jesus came to invite us to his table to experience his generosity and his mercy and his grace. And so let me say to you today, like, uh, there's a lot I want to say, but let me just say, no one is ever too small for the gospel, for Jesus' table. Like, if you're a believer and you feel very small, part of that is health, that can be healthy. Part of that is, like, can be humility, like, Lord, like, I am very small, but your table is only for small people. It's like, yeah, that's true. It's for lost people. And then if you're like listening to me now and you're, you don't believe in Jesus, you're not a Christian, you haven't professed Jesus as your Savior, like, let me tell you that like, it's the only place where you will like be- belong. That you, like, you're lost. Without Jesus, we're all lost. He invites, He came out to invite you to His table. And so finding a way to respond is always difficult here online. And I know that giving further steps makes a certain amount of people not want to take it. But if you want to know more about this invitation, email me. Like, email me. Get in touch with me. I'll personally reach out to you this week as soon as I see your email. Reese at citylifenj.com. Like, let's talk about this invitation. God is the one who seeks you, and He seeks you to this day. And so, City Life, love you. I'm getting messages here. Um, But love you. This week we have MCs. Let us know that you're here. Connect with us and we'll reach out and uh, talk about this invitation. No one is too small for the gospel. Jesus came to find everything that he had lost. And so, that includes you. So, we love you. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.